this podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Brought to you by Betway.com. Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. We're getting ready for the playoffs. Cavaliers, New York Knicks in the first round. Mike, of course, former NBA head coach with the Cavaliers, the Atlanta Hawks, the Memphis Grizzlies, and now color analyst with the Clippers and the Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Evan Mobley, Mike, as a 21-year-old, clearly has made some terrific strides this season. And if if you look at the splits between pre-All-Star and post-All-Star, you can see that in his scoring average. Last couple of months has really jumped. So he's obviously developed here. Next step in the development, I would assume, opportunity to play on a big stage. They don't get much bigger than Madison Square Garden in a playoff series. What can he expect out of a playoff series? And what does a young guy like Evan learn when he gets into the postseason? Well, as you know, he's a very astute player. He listens, studies hard, and... Uh, works on the things that the coaching staff has said to him. This is what you need to get better at. I've heard from more than just one of the people on the staff that he doesn't miss a day in the weight room. This guy is religious at building his body up, trying to get stronger, trying to add more power to his leg strength. Um, I watched one of those block shots that he had last night. I don't know if he could have stretched, and I mean stretched out, any further than he did. Ultimately, at the top of his jump, putting that arm up, getting back a little bit, and getting a piece of the ball as it was released by the offensive player. And he maximizes the talent that he has, but he's very hungry to keep getting better and better. I thought his transition to the center position, the games that Allen was out and Mobley wound up going into the five spot, He handled beautifully. In fact, I I thought he felt so comfortable in there Mm. of footwork, being able to get a shot off against some centers who weighed more, bigger, wider, uh, more veteran than he was. Uh, Yet he was right in there scoring his buckets with his jump hook or coming around with the left hand using that. And and then a couple of times out ran people down the floor because of his athleticism to get easy buckets, turn and post up quick get a guard on his back. So he's he's really handled playing both positions well because in our particular system with our team the way it is, we're not a team that has our center outside shooting a lot of threes. Right. For example, uh, Vucevic from New Orleans, he goes out to the top of the circle and shoots threes, makes threes. Um, and uh, the, the center from Chicago – the center from New Orleans. Those are both centers that are out past the top of the circle oftentimes because they're very good three-point shooters. And I may have said Vucevic with the wrong team. And Valanchunas. Valanchunas with New Orleans and Vucevic with Chicago. Right. You got your V's, Mike. You just got your V's inverted. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) What did somebody say? If there's a Vich at the end, that means they're a really good shooter. There you go. It's all you need. But – our center doesn't do that. You know, as a power forward, Mobley sometimes has that responsibility of being on the wing by the three-point line in the corners or at the top of the circles, playing high-low with Allen down low and Mobley flashing high. So it's not an easy transition necessarily. You might be able to handle one spot better than the other. 
I thought Mowgli handled both really well. Mike, Evan's clearly a guy who has both an offensive and a defensive game. But here, as the season's gone on, you're starting to hear some rumblings about defensive player of the year talk and, and Evan's name being thrown into that. He's only 21. That's really early. You know, if, if something like that were to happen at this young of an age, that's outstanding. But as a coach, do you like him better as a defensive player or as an offensive player? Where do you think he has a higher ceiling and can most impact the game? As a coach, I kind of like him as a player that has my uniform name on the front of it. Okay. <laughs> that's all that matters. That's that's what matters to me because he's going to give you something at both ends of the floor. You know, I had a center in True Rollins who mm-hmm. was my captain and w- one of the greatest people and an incredible player and anchor for our team. But you weren't going to throw the ball to Tree and get 20 points out of him on a given night. He just wasn't going to take that many shots. You throw in the ball, he'd take a couple of bounces. If somebody came back a little bit to double, he'd pass it out willingly uh, to a perimeter guy to make shots or drive it to the basket. But he was an incredible screen setter. He's a double-digit rebounder. He was an incredible shot blocker and, you know, allowed our offense to function. And that was just the nature of who he was. And 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 you played that way. You know, people would say, well, you had, he had a mismatch. Why didn't you go to him more? You can't go to the guy more unless the guy wants to do that. And if he doesn't mm-hmm. want to do that, well, what good is it having a, a guy who's four inches shorter than him armed if you can't take advantage of it? So with a Mobley, Okay, whether he's a defensive player where he has such an impact on the game. And all you have to look at, who's the number one defensive team in the NBA? I believe it's the Cavaliers. And what are they holding their opponents to field goal percentage-wise? And when you put all that together, there's somebody there, Allen, Mobley, whoever else is chipping in, that are changing, affecting, or blocking shots that are helping save buckets and allowing the Cavs to hold people to lower scores. So as a result of that, you know, in last night's game against Orlando, give up 29 points in the first quarter. I think it was 33-35 in the second and third quarters. And then when they needed it in the fourth quarter, they locked down and hold Orlando to 22 points to win the game. So that's what they're capable of. And the anchor of that is that Mobley-Allen combination up front is something to deal with. Jarrett's been really good against the Knicks in the two games he played against the New York Knicks. He was dealing with some injuries, but uh, that defensive combo is going to be terrific. So that's going to be a heck of a playoff series. You mentioned final two games. It's Orlando and then Charlotte for the Cavaliers at home. And the Orlando game, Mike, we've touched on this a little bit in the past, but we've seen it numerous times now. You saw it with the Clippers. We've seen it with the Cavaliers, I think, four times. The back-to-back games against the same team in the same city a little baseball feel. Do you think that's something that's going to catch on in the NBA and and where it becomes a commonplace thing, more common than it is now? And is that a good thing if it does? Do you like it? I think the commissioner's office will really do a lot of investigating into this at the end of the year, meaning, you know, questioning, calling people up, having questionnaires out for the coaches, the front office people to see what their reaction to was because it obviously saves wear and tear you don't have to go back to that city another time during the season. You're there. You play two. You get it done. And like you said, it's a little bit of a baseball feel to it. Uh, the scouting on the second game, you should be pretty much on it. I'm not sure you have to prepare a whole other scouting report. You make your adjustments from game number one. The players should feel more comfortable. It may make game two that much harder to win 
because it gets very much like what happens in the playoffs. You just yeah. saw that same team last game. So you take away from them what you can. You do against them what you can and get away with. Uh, so I'm, I'd be kind of anxious to see how that poll turns out at the end of the year and what the comments are that are made on second games. Is How, how many of them wound up being a split this year? Uh, regardless of who wins the first one, does the other team win the second one? Is that kind of like what happens to the mentality of play? Okay, well, right. we got one at least. We got a split out of it. I'd be anxious to see the numbers on that when the time comes and they do that questioning. And, and I wonder, Mike, in, in the NBA on a given night, okay, well, we don't have fill in the blank tonight. But the next time we play the Knicks, we're going to have him. But if you get two games in a row and just say the Cavaliers don't have Donovan Mitchell, and it, that might have a bigger impact on standings. I, I'm just curious, and, and as you talked about with the research with the commissioner, I think a lot's going to go into that. But that, that's the one aspect of it that I kind of wonder about because the NBA was always kind of free-flowing in that regard where you're not going to get killed against an individual team if you have a guy out with a, a sprained ankle or something like that because, all right, you're going to see him again in a month. Well, now you might see him two times in three days, and I wonder if that impacts anything and if that factors into what the NBA is going to eventually do with this. I think it's an excellent point you make, that you could be missing your star, one of your stars, and because they're back-to-back or you know consecutive games against that team, uh, that you could be losing 25 to 30 points a game, not only one night, but both nights. But then isn't that a perfect time? to turn to the trainers and say, why didn't you have that guy ready for these games? You knew we needed him. We yeah. lost both of them. If you would have done a better job taping his ankles, he wouldn't have got hurt. There you go. There we go. Playoffs, get ready. Cavs, Knicks, first round. Sir, enjoy the postseason. Jeff, you didn't say anything about the czar hat. That's pretty fabulous. You probably couldn't read the top of it, huh? No, I saw the Z. I think that's – do you get residuals on that or does Marv? You know, Jeff, these these hats are so special that we haven't been able to determine a price on them yet. But I'm I'm waiting, waiting for people's opinions to come back. And then, you know, there's a little writing on the side here and a little nice. writing on the side here and, you know, on the back and – Kind of a different looking kind of hat, not a typical baseball hat. Yeah, it, I, you know, I, I wouldn't know because, you know, I don't have one. John Vicari, our producer, would like one. So maybe we can go to our local sporting goods store and pick up the czar hat. I know everybody should. So there you if, go. If you go and find it, would you let everyone know? Including <laughs> me where it is? <laughs> I will, actually. He's Mike Fratello. I'm Jeff Phelps. This has been Basketball Gold. Thanks for listening. This has been Basketball Gold, brought to you by Betway.com. Betway, for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER.